Hi everyone, welcome to this special episode. We previously spoke with Lisa, a young Ukrainian woman in Kyiv, bravely navigating the Russian invasion. And if it's still ongoing, then this is the deal. Today we want to take a deeper look into some of the hidden stories of this crisis, because at one point or another, things have gotten pretty weird. Russia's got a Nazi excuse for the war. African migrants are facing racism as they flee Ukraine. There's strange media coverage of the crisis. Disinformation is being pumped out on the internet. And lastly, there's the dissident Russian perspective. Let's dive in. Putin's justification for this war of aggression is that he wants to rescue the Ukrainian people from genocide by a Nazi government. This man fundamentally believes people want to go back to the USSR. Read the room, Putin. No one wants that. Just to be clear, Ukraine is a democratic country whose president was elected in a free and fair election with an astounding 73%. The president, Vladimir Zelensky, is Jewish and he actually lost family in the Holocaust. Putin uses these claims of genocide and Nazism as part of a long-running attempt to delegitimize Ukraine. Laura Jokish, a professor of Holocaust studies at Brandeis University, told NPR, there is no genocide, not even an ethnic cleansing perpetrated by the Ukraine against ethnic Russians and Russian speakers in the Ukraine. In Putin's words, we will seek to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, as well as bring to trial those who perpetrated numerous bloody crimes against civilians, including against citizens of the Russian Federation. Let's break this down. Is there, is there something here? The most prominent neo-Nazi group in Ukraine is called the Azov Movement. It was formed in early 2014 as an anti-Russia militia and makes up 1.25% of the Ukrainian National Guard. Far-right political parties as a coalition made up 2% of the vote in the last election. Nazism is extremely dangerous and cannot be taken lightly, especially at a time when anti-Semitic violence is on the rise and putting Jews around the world in real danger. But if Putin is looking for Nazis, he's in the wrong place. Yale historian Timothy Snyder explains, he intends to use the genocide and denazification language to set up some kind of kangaroo court, which would serve the purpose of condemning these people, meaning President Zelensky and his military and government, to death, or prison, or incarceration. At least the world doesn't seem to be buying it. President Zelensky has been winning the messaging war since the beginning of the invasion, even in the face of a massive Russian propaganda and disinformation machine. Unique to this moment in history is the way the crisis is unfolding in real time via the internet. Rife within the constant stream of crisis content is misinformation and disinformation. Some of it comes directly from the Russian propaganda machine, and some of it comes from meme culture, anecdotes getting shared far and wide without fact-checking. President Vladimir Zelensky has been very media-savvy in his messages to his people, which has helped him win over the hearts and minds around the world. Here's one of his messages directly to his people, combating a rumor that he and his cabinet have fled the country. Всім добрий вечір. Лідер фракції тут. Голова офісу президента тут. Прем'єр-міністр Шмигаль тут. Подоляк тут. 
while it's in Ukrainian, he's basically saying, I'm here, my cabinet's here, we haven't left. While it seems that the Russian invasion may not be as swift and easy as Putin would have liked, it's clear that on the messaging battlefront around the world, President Zelensky is winning. But of course, there is more to every story, and while the world rallies around Zelensky and the Ukrainian people, that has left many African and Asian refugees moving west towards safety to experience disturbing racism and xenophobia. Here are some of their stories. Mostly, they would, they would consider white people first, white people first, Indian people, Arabic people, before black people. As long as you are black, no one likes you. I remember they punched a certain black guy, a policeman in Ukraine, punched a certain black guy for nothing. He was shocked for nothing. Yes, so like I said earlier on, they consider white people before considering black people. Yes. And after that, we, we went to the, to the train station and they will, they will not let us in. And when, when they did let us in, they, they were like, you have to give us money because this is, this, is not, this is not free for you because you are foreign. This is not free for you. You have to pay for it. Maybe it's, it's a war. Maybe people start feeling stressed. They want their people to get first. Of course, everyone wants their, their people to be safe. So they had to express that in, in a way. So I understand that, but at the same time, you should at least yeah, say it in a nice way. Dominating the narrative of this conflict is the white supremacist assumption that Europeans and white people are not deserving of war, invasion, and refugee status. In Route 2 and at the border are Africans, most of them students, that Ukraine invited to study in their country, are being taken off trains, moved out of line, denied refugee housing and services, harassed. All the while, media reports have been mired in obvious anti-blackness and Islamophobia. Take a listen. This is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. These are prosperous middle-class people. These are not people trying to get away from areas in North Africa. They look like any European family that you would live next door to. What could be a difference here from other conflicts, you know, that could seem very far away, you know, in Africa or Middle East or whatever. I mean, these are Europeans that we're seeing uh, being killed. This isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, uh, city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. This is sad. Imagine fleeing war and then you can't even access the humanity bestowed on your neighbors. This is happening in Ukraine, but also in Poland, in Germany, and wherever we find people, because there we find the systems they uphold. Racism doesn't take a day off. White supremacy doesn't suspend itself in times of crisis. Humans are complicated and can and often do occupy two spaces at once, victim and oppressor. It doesn't make us sympathetic to Putin's aggression, but it does remind us how much work there is to do across the world and in our media to stamp out this tired and dangerous bias forever, whenever, and every time we find it. Let's move on to the situation in Russia itself. Since the beginning of this war of aggression, almost 14,000 people have been arrested in Russia for protesting the war. Protesters face up to 15 years in jail, 
under a new law which bans false information about Russia's army. They could also face treason charges. Many Russians do support President Putin, of course, and the state-owned media and propaganda machine work tirelessly to spin the theory of his popularity and brainwash the public. But acts of protests, like we've seen across St. Petersburg, Moscow, and the rest of the country, are truly revolutionary in the face of a brutal autocrat. Today, we're speaking with a Russian dissident and an artist to hear her perspective on the crisis and what she is doing to help her homeland neighbors of Ukraine. I spoke with Olive Island. She is a successful New York-based visual artist who recently posted a video of her burning her Russian passport in front of the Russian consulate. That video has gone viral. She auctioned the video of her burning passport as an NFT, raising $9,767 for Save the Children Ukraine. If she were to return to Russia, she could face up to 15 years in prison. And she says she wouldn't change a thing. Hey, Olive, how are you? Welcome to the Delve. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, for I'm sure. Well in the circumstances. What was that? I'm well in the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine, um, you know, what you're going through. Um, so I guess first question, where are you now? I'm in New York. Okay. And you're from Russia? Yes, that's correct. Okay. How long have you been in the States? For over 11 years. Wow. Okay. Okay. And you're also an artist. Um, yes, I am. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the kind of art that you make? Um, yes, of course. Um, I want to... I was one of the first people making NFT art. I started in 2018 um, mm. and hasn't stopped ever since. So, I mean, I don't only do digital art, but as well, I also do physical paintings, mm. um, mixed media art. Um, yeah. So basically, I always try not to be political, but <laughs> how can you not be in our day and age? I mean, I believe that artists have responsibility to reflect larger world, right? Um, to capture the zeitgeist. So, and that's what's going on, and that's very close and deeply personal. So, sure. um, yeah, and here we are. So, Olive, I don't know if you know this, but you have a video going viral right now. <laughs> right. I'm right. joking, obviously. You obviously know this. Uh, you have a video going viral right now where you burn uh, your Russian passport in front of the consulate. Um, yep. And it's a protest of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Why did you feel inspired to do this? Yeah, that's correct. Um you know, it's just a thought that came to me um, when the war began. I was deeply moved and I was deeply ashamed. I was deeply saddened. Now it's a very personal issue because, um, I, I mean, I, I left Russia back in the day because I disagree with Putin's Russia. I didn't believe in it simply. Mm. You know, I didn't see a place for myself in it. And, you know... And nothing changed, and mm. uh, even more disappointed and uh, frustrated by the actions of our government. And it was just a logical thing for me to do, mm. you know. And like, hey, it's a statement. It's me saying, I love my country, I really, really do, but I do not approve, and I don't know, stand behind 
um, Putin's actions, right. you know, and they're not me and they're not reflect uh, upon every Russian there is. And I deeply saddened about the war in Ukraine. And I'm really, really, I have, I'm a loss of, I'm a loss of words when mm. I think about how many innocent people are losing their lives and um, because of the warfare, it's, it's just heartbreaking. It truly is. Sure. Nobody deserves that. And, and what made you think of this specific act of protest, you know, the burning of your passport? Um, it, it's, it's hard to tell why, but I believe it's the most visual. I'm a visual mm, artist. I'm yeah. an artist. It's sort of. It's very um, strong. It's an art piece. Yeah, it's strong. It's me. <laughs> it, 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 it's when the picture, in this case, video tells a thousand stories. Mm, yeah. And as an artist, I, I have to have my voice, right? I have to use it for good. That's the whole point. Right. That's, the, that's why I became an artist, you know? For sure. And I also made um, an NFT out of it. To sell yeah. I'm actually going to get to that because I have a lot of questions about NFTs. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> but so what has the response been to the video of you burning your passport? How how's what's that been like? Um, of course mixed. Um uh-huh. one of the pieces that um a bit controversial in a sense. Uh-huh. That's expected, but I'm very, very happy that a lot of people were like wow, like, I respect that. And I'm also Russian that inspired me to protest. Mm. You know, that's uh, what was I going for, I guess. And people from Ukraine be like, thank you. Like, it's great to know that not all Russians are pro-war. Right. You know, and there are people just saying like, hey, that's stupid. Why would you do that? Like, it's it's criminal, whatever. Mm. Burning documents and so on and so forth. But that's that's okay. Have you had any response from Russians, maybe like pro-Putin Russians? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. They sort of have it, obviously. Yeah, but that is what it is. Wow. So do you have any families still in Russia? Yeah, we are estranged. And oh. they are pro-Putin, in fact. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and they had nothing nice to say. They had nothing nice to say about it. Oh, I see. Right. And, and do you, I guess, do you have any maybe friends or maybe other families that you're still talking to? Uh, how do they feel about the invasion? Um, yeah, of course, I talk um, with different people from both sides. And mm. most of them are really, really saddened and upset. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants war. Right. And the sanctions that have been imposed on Russian, Russians are just insane. Look, I mean, nobody's cards or PayPal is working. The only method of payment is cash. Mm. It's understandable that European and American leaders try to do something, but imposing sanctions on regular people is just so wrong. And arts organizations are denying grants to Russian artists. That's fucked up. Like, hey, because you're denying grants and uh, you're removing Russian artists from exhibitions, it doesn't mean that the government be like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Like, oh, we mm. feel bad. Like, don't do artists, please. Like, mm. okay, what's up the war right now? This is just like stupid. Of course, like our government stopped caring about people a long time ago. Mm, right. They did, 
Russia wouldn't be still a patriarchal state. Russians wouldn't be leaving. Um, there wouldn't be so many repressions and etc. You know, now you can go to jail up to 15 years if you openly protest the war. Right, right. With so many implications for the regular people. It's like government's fucking us over, been fucking us over for decades. And plus, now the world is doing the same thing. It's so, so saddening. It's like not everybody is really that bad. Like, seriously, who's going to rebuild Russia? Like, Putin's never going to leave if that's the case now. It's it's just a really awful situation, and because it's it's not the Russian people, you know, that have launched this in, invasion. It's literally just one man who just thought of it on a whim to launch this invest an invasion. It's crazy. It is crazy indeed. It I is agree. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to talk a little bit about NFTs. <laughs> so you're auctioning your off your passport as an nft so basically i made a small i mean there's a video of me burning the passport and right. um i minted it as an nft so it's basically not exactly my passport but sort of um an nft of passport burning that's why it's called passport burning Mm. And yeah, it's sort of like performance art piece. That's what's been NFT'd essentially. It's okay. a statement that has been NFT'd. Not I'm, the thing because it's burned and like, yeah. I'm going to need to take one step back because I'm not sure if I know what an NFT is. Okay. <laughs> so okay. an NFT is, okay. So I'm. this is what I imagine an NFT is. An NFT is a digital image or video yes yeah no that could be any, yeah absolutely it could okay. be any file format it okay. can any digital file format can be nft so okay. to say nft so it's just like, like a the nft <laughs> meaning minted on blockchain okay what it means it's basically uh the file and the record of it um like appearing is being recorded and it's all provenance, metadata, what that object is, is also recorded. Mm-hmm. And any movements of that objects, if it's been transferred somewhere or somebody bought it or sold it, um, it's recorded on blockchain. So this data is there forever and you cannot go back and change it. So and everybody could see it. Yeah. And then and that's. You're going to auction it and then you're going to donate the money to save the children in Ukraine. Yes, that's correct. What made you choose that organization? All right. I wanted to focus on humanitarian um, Mm. efforts because um, I don't know. I don't support violence in any shape or form. And uh, children and families are the most vulnerable people in fact right and Mm. they're suffering from the war that they have no say or no like way of like doing anything about about it you know like they're just forced out of their homes and one day because someone decided to invade their country and i think it's so so deeply unfair and those people just needed the most they need, need to rebuild their lives right. right children are so vulnerable right they say um everything comes from a childhood and this childhood is that right can you imagine right 
it's 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 hard to imagine duplications. Right. I mean, that's just an obvious choice for me. I don't know. If I were to say Ukraine and Russia, what immediately jumps into your mind? What what's your thoughts? I mean, just the two countries, uh, the parts of former Soviet Union, which destinies has been very deeply and intimately intertwined mm. for centuries, right? Um, mm. And a lot of Russians and Ukrainians are moving back and forth during Soviet U- Union era. Like mm. my father's yeah. brother is Ukrainian. It's just because oh, well, they end close. up, uh, yeah, and their blood relatives they end up on different sides of like soviet union different countries when soviet union collapsed right and of course ukraine is a sovereign country i respect that but like yeah it's the destinies have been so closely intertwined russians never saw ukrainians as enemies like i never did Mm. right the fact that putin just waged that war for the territory for the resources it's a bit fucked up and then russian soldiers are forced to yeah have to like kill people it's just heartbreaking it it really is it's kind of like impossible to have imagined that right it's 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 the countries, like you're saying, they have centuries of, of relations. They're so close. Uh, there's been descriptions of them being called like brotherly countries, um, little brother, yeah. big brother. It, it's very, it's very strange. It is indeed. Brad. Yeah. Is there a message as, you know, kind of an advocate that you would want to send? Um, is there anything you'd like to tell our audience maybe about, you know, the, the Russian perspective? Right, the Russian perspective um, is that most of the Russians don't want war, and our government has been fucking us over for decades, and um, international community doesn't have to do that, right? It's not people's fault that the government is so corrupt and so violent, mm-hmm. right? We've been suffering ourselves, and we don't want war. And yeah, I, I'd like international community to reconsider. Um, the revocation of the grants or um, waging wars on Russian artists. Like, we have not done anything, you know? Mm. We're the one, like, facing oppression, you know? And a lot of us are political dissidents. Right. We're not getting any support at all from no one in the world, which is, it's a bit scary place to be in. Right. And we're not responsible for our government's actions. And what else? I was going to say, if you're Russian, just like, hold on. And it's okay to be Mm. anti-government. And you're Ukrainian. I'm saying sorry. I'm I'm sorry for what's going on. It's definitely heartbreaking. Yeah. I was was just going to jump in and say that uh, it's, it's interesting because usually artists are you know, the ones who kind of speak for the people and they speak to power and that pain or or those expressions, you know, inspire their art. And so for artists to be kind of penalized, whether it's through grants or um, artists not being retained by Western institutions, um, it is, I guess, a little, it could be a little unfair. Um, It is a little unfair. I I myself has been removed um, from the exhibition by oh, wow. Christmas. 
Yes, recently, a few days ago, um, when my protest kind of went viral in public, yeah, last minute, Christie's decided to remove me from the upcoming show in Dubai. And uh, they offered no explanation whatsoever. It's just, I've been removed, like, just like that. I'm going to post was, more about it. That's and so weird. Do you think it was like... You know, like, hey, there are multiple reasons, but it's yeah. definitely not brave. Hey. Right. Okay, great. Thank you. You know, it's fucked up and it's very cowardly. You know, they didn't offer official statement. They didn't, like, it's like silently remove. Uh, do you think that was, like, a pro-Putin stance or was that a... What, what, well, what? well, hey, I don't know. Like, I, I haven't given a really comprehensive oh, right. reasons that makes sense. Either they could have, like, copy-paste... Uh, my jpegs you know and like exhibit them uh. um or it's some larger political issue i haven't uh, got an official response from the representatives so yeah wow all of i like in these conversations asking people what's something that makes them optimistic um or or you know kind of hopeful for the future um I know this is like a really, really tough topic and it's probably really difficult to be hopeful or optimistic right now, but perhaps there's something that makes you hopeful. Oh my God. Ugh. I know, I know it's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one, right? In our day and age. I mean, the fact that so many people are waking up and standing up mm. justice, that makes me very hopeful. Right. Like that regular people stand in solidarity and protest governments and do whatever they can and they help. Right. They raise funds and like just you. try to do whatever they can. Yeah, like you, you know, raising money for Save the Children Ukraine. That's that's amazing. Um, where can folks find more about this auction? How can they help, you know, help you out with this? Um, look, um, I think just help out the organizations that you believe are making difference, right? Um, whatever you believe, whatever humanitarian um, cause you want to support, just do that. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Perfect. Everyone does something that's already a lot. Right. And it really does make a difference. Right, right, for sure. Uh, and we'll put your socials and everything into the bio. So if everyone wants to learn more about um, Olive, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have that available to them. Olive, thank you so much for coming on the Delve. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this special episode. To learn more about Olive, we're including her socials in the description. I also encourage you to please like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us by searching the Delve podcast on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. I'm Chaylin, and this is The Delft.